chapter 19, verse 28, it says, And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem, and it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage, and Bethany at the mount called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, and the which at your entering ye shall find a cold tide, whereon yet never man set, loose him, and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they were sent, went their way, and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, why loose ye the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as they went, they spread their clothes in the way. When he was come nigh, even nigh at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke the disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. When he was come near, just listen to these verses tonight. When he was come near, he beheld the city, that's Jerusalem, and he wept over it. And he said, if thou had known, even thou at least in this day, thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of your visitation. There's a verse in the Bible, it's found in Hebrews 3.15, you don't need to turn there, and this is what it says, Today, today, if you hear his voice, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Another translation, just in a simple form, says this. If you hear God's voice today, do not be stubborn as Israel was when they rebelled against the Lord. Here in this story of Christ, the account of Christ and his descent from the Mount of Olives. I've, I've never been there, but the Mount of Olives is a mount just outside Jerusalem. And when you come to the peak of that mount and begin your descent, uh, they tell us that suddenly you'll see the whole of the city of Jerusalem. It's a sight to behold. And here, this is the first day of the week. This is Sunday. The Sunday before the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes over the brow of that mountain on a little donkey, and he sees Jerusalem before him. And this is awesome because the Bible's a wonderful book. It's a living book. The Bible speaks. It's alive. It's God's word. You know, we got a, a delivery, uh, and the, the boys seen it was an Amazon box, and uh, Luke and Caleb run into me, and they said, oh, Dad, 
Have you ordered yourself a, an Alexa? Have you got yourself one of these Alexa? No, that she speaks to you, say, and I said, I said, well, now we'll wait to see. And they were like all around. He says, you haven't got the new one. I'd have you the latest one with the, I think it's a show Alexa or something. You can see your, I said, no, wait to see this. I said, Dad, I can't believe you ordered that for yourself. And all I said, oh, what do you see? And I tell you, and they were like, whoa, this is amazing. And I opened the Alexa box, but we ordered Bibles. But I tell you, the Bible speaks better than anything that this world can ever produce. It's a living book. It's alive. It speaks. And if you hear his voice, that's God's voice. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. This is an amazing account of Christ as he was descending the Mount of Olives. He is fulfilling prophecy. The prophet Zechariah in the Old Testament, the prophet Zechariah, this is 500 years before this event took place. But 500 years previous to this, there's an Old Testament prophet. One of the minor prophets, his name is Zechariah. These old men of God, the prophets of the Lord, they, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon them and they were prophesying, of course, and preaching to the, to the people of their day. But often they were prophesying of a day that would come. And their words were, were anointed of the Holy Spirit and inspired of the Spirit of God. And they begin to, 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 to proclaim the word of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit recorded their words. And we have the scripture today to read them. And when you come to some of these prophets like Zechariah, here's Zechariah and Zechariah 9 and 9. You don't have to turn there, but this is what he said. 500 years before our account in Luke chapter 19, this is what he said. Rejoice! Greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, the king cometh unto thee. He's just, and he has salvation. He's lowly, and he's riding upon a donkey. 500 years later, to the very letter of the word, the king, Jesus, comes riding over the Mount of Olives on a little donkey, fulfilling every word that the prophet had spoken. In 2 Peter 1, it says, The prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as the Holy Spirit was moved upon them. Peter says in 1 Peter 1 and 10, Of this salvation the prophets inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what? manner of time the Spirit of Christ was in them that did signify when it testified before, beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed not, that not unto themselves but unto us that they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels, the angels desire to look upon. Can I tell you tonight, friends, you may not see this, but we have an audience with angels tonight. They look in this meeting and they wonder the grace of God and the great salvation of Jesus Christ that men and women in this room have been born again, washed in the blood. And one day as we sung about it, we're going to fly away to our home on high. Zechariah also prophesied of a blood 
a blood of a covenant. And in this covenant in Zechariah 9 and 11, he said, As for thee also by the blood of a covenant, he will send forth thy prisoners out of a pit. He spoke of a day when there will be a blood of a new covenant. And in the blood of that new covenant, people are going to be set free. By the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, prisoners will be loosed. People will be delivered from the power of sin, the power of the devil, the power of Satan, and the blood will cleanse them from every stain and every sin. He spoke of a fountain that would be opened. This is 500 years before Calvary. In Zechariah 13 and 1, this is important because every word of the prophet that has been spoken has been fulfilled. So you need to know if there's prophecies that haven't been fulfilled as yet, when will they be fulfilled? But in Zechariah 13, the prophet said, In that day there shall be a fountain open in the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. One day there's going to be a fountain opened. What is that? The hymn writer says, I know a fount where sins are washed away. I know a, a place where night is turned to day. Burdens will be lifted and blind eyes made to see. There's wonder working power in the blood of Calvary. He spoke of the betrayal of Christ, Zechariah 11. It says that they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. Everything to the letter of the life of Christ in his life, it wasn't just happening by chance. Everything was being fulfilled. The word of God 500 years later. The outpouring of grace in Zechariah 12 and 10, that they will look upon him whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. As God's son would hang on the cross of Calvary, they would look upon him. Romans 11 tells us of that day when Jerusalem, of course, when they rejected the Savior when he came, and their blindness has happened in part, but that's only for a season and only for a time. As Jesus writes in our story tonight, I just want to pick up on it for a moment, fulfilling every word of Scripture. As Jesus rides in this little donkey into Jerusalem, he's coming down the Mount of Olives, and all the crowds that are there before him, they begin to, to, to sing and to shout, the, as it were, the messianic title of Jesus. This was all again in Scripture. And in Psalm 118, verse 24 this is what they cried, and this is what it's taken from. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee. Send now prosperity. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And we have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. All the whole congregation, the crowds of Jerusalem, seen this man riding in on a donkey. Their palm trees are raised. They're rejoicing that the Lord has come. It says in verse 36 in our reading, as they went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come now, even now to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and to praise the Lord with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. And they said, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Pharisees, of course, religious people don't like this. The Pharisees, of course, from a multitude said, Look, Lord, rebuke your disciples. And he said, Listen, I tell you that if these people hold their peace, the very stones would immediately, would immediately cry out. Here's the important part. If I could just hold your attention for just a couple of minutes. 
Here's the important part. Jesus, as he's approaching Jerusalem and coming down that descent, it says in verse 41, when he was come near, it says these words, that he beheld the city. He beheld it. Now the word beheld, for us, we just often mean just to simply see, just to simply look at something, but it's such a deeper meaning when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We would often just see that as something to perceive, but greater still, in the context of this account, it not only means that he's seen the city, but here the eternal God in flesh, he knew everything about this city and everything that was about to happen to it. He could see the future because he is the future. Everything about it he knows. And as he beheld it, the scripture tells us, Jesus began, I want you to hear this, Jesus began to weep. He knew what was coming because he is the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's the eternal one. And just like Jesus looked over Jerusalem and beheld it and knew the beginning from the end and knew exactly where everything was and what was about to happen. And as he began to weep over Jerusalem, can I tell you, friends, in this room tonight that Jesus knows every person in this place. He knows you intimately. He knows everything about you. He knows where you're from, where you're born. He knows your name. He knows the hairs in your head. He knows where you live. He knows what you're going through. He knows your trials. He knows your, your concerns. He knows your doubts. He knows your fears. He knows everything. He knows everyone who's saved. And he knows everyone who's lost. And he knows everything about your life. And he knows everything about your future. There's nothing that's hid from him. And as he beheld Jerusalem, so even in this room tonight, the Lord knows all things in this place. He knows who's interested. He knows who's not. He knows who's hardened in their heart. He knows who's backslidden in their heart. He knows who's walking. He knows that someone is far away from God. He sees the pain. He sees the hurt. He sees the backslider. He sees the sinner. He sees the rebel. He knows all things. In verse 42, he said these words, Jerusalem, with tears on his face, if you had known if you'd known, even now at least in this day, the things which belong to thy peace. Here is their Savior. Here is their Messiah. On the edge of a mountain, looking over their city. And with tears in his eyes, he's saying, if you had really known what's before you. The crowds are cheering. They're waving their palm trees and their cloaks in the air. Friends, just a few days later, just by the Friday, the same crowd that cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, would cry, crucify him, crucify him. So it's hard to grasp. It's hard to grasp. The same crowd, the crowd that cried, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. When the Roman soldiers took Jesus and they beat him and led him over a rock, when they spat in his face, when they punched him, when they put a crown of thorns upon his head, when they put a robe around his back, and when they presented him to the crowd, they didn't cry, Hosanna. They said, crucify him. Pilate says, what's he done? And they cried the more, crucify him. The same crowd. 
Friends, tonight we need to know what is ahead. We need to know what's ahead. As Jesus stood on the edge of that mountain looking over Jerusalem, he knew that the words that he was going to speak over Jerusalem would come to pass to the very letter. If you read the history books, Josephus, one of those great historians, A.D. 70, everything of what the Lord said concerning Jerusalem just a generation later, everything that the Lord said would happen, happened. Everything that he said happened. In his earlier ministry in Luke chapter 13, verse 34, he comes to Jerusalem previously. And this is what he said. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which kills the prophets and stoned them which were sent to you. In other words, I've sent messengers to you. I've sent people to tell you about your need to be saved, to be right with God. I've sent people before you, maybe a work colleague, maybe a neighbor, maybe a friend, maybe a loved one, maybe a mother, maybe a father, maybe a brother, maybe a sister. But I've sent them to you that they would tell you that you need to get right with God. You need to get saved. That the end is nigh. That there's a heaven and that there is a hell. That there's a reality of this world that is fast coming to an end. And you need to get right with God. I sent messengers to you. This is what he said. How often... Would I have gathered thy children together as a hen does gather her brood under her wings? That's what he wanted to do. He didn't want to come to condemn the world. He didn't want to come to barge the world. He came to gather the world unto himself as a hen would gather her little chicks under her brood and protect them. And then know what it says? There's four words at the end of this verse. And ye would not. In other words, you wouldn't come. Savior was there. He was right at the door. He wanted to save. He wanted to gather them. He wanted to bring them in, but they wouldn't come. Now he says, but now, but now they are hid from thine eyes. The days are coming when the enemy shall cast a trench about thee, come past thee around and keep thee on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children with thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because you knewest not the time of your visitation. It's awesome. They didn't know that today was their day of salvation. They didn't recognize that this moment, at this time, this was the hour, and this was the time This was the hour for them to get saved. They didn't know it was the time of their visitation. It's a a tragic story. You see, friends, we're fastly approaching the end of it all. People don't really think that. Most people in the world think this is going to go on forever. A lot of people even in church life think it's going to go on forever. But we're vastly approaching the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're we're quickly approaching when Christ is going to burst through those clouds to take his church home. That's everyone that's saved and washed in the blood. He talked about a day, if, if you look at it, 
in, in, the, in the current affairs of our world, there's never been a time like this. Don't think there's been a day like this before. There hasn't been a day like this before. There's never been a time like the time we're living in. But yet, in somehow or some way, we have nearly been numbed. We have nearly been numbed on a slow basis or if I could use the word seduced to thinking that we're still okay. I want to tell you, friends, this world is coming to an end and it's coming to an end quickly. Jesus talks about a nation. Nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, great earthquakes in diverse places, famines, pestilence, fearful sights, great signs there'll be from heaven. That's what Jesus said will mark these days. Moral decay, a world in turmoil, rampant suicide. It's everywhere. We hear about it week in and week out. We see the rise of immorality, the distress of the nation, and the whole climate. The whole climate is in a mess. Famines, weather extremities, rumors of war, diseases, superbugs that they don't have a cure for. It's rampant all around us. These are the signs or the indications that we are approaching the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we really knew what was before us, if we could really grasp what's ahead, saint of God tonight, we're going home to glory to be with Jesus. Sinner and those that are outside of Christ, Christ is here to save you. He's here to bring you in. He's here to deliver you. He's here to wash you in His own blood and to put your name in the last book of life. But friends, if you're outside of Christ, we need to know what's ahead. The same prophet that prophesied of Christ coming over the Mount of Olives in a little donkey, his name was Zechariah. Remember him? Well, he also prophesied in Zechariah chapter 14, about the day of the Lord. Now every prophecy that Zechariah prophesied was fulfilled by Jesus Christ in his betrayal, in his blood, in his death, in the, in the power of the blood of the covenant, and in Christ coming over that hill on a donkey. But in Zechariah 14, he talks about another day when the king will come again. I want you to hear this. The day will come, behold, the day of the Lord comes, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Can I tell you, friends, what does this mean? Jerusalem, it's on the news quite a lot, isn't it? We hear about it. We hear about the, the turmoil in the Middle East. The Bible tells us that Jerusalem will be a cup of trembling for all the nations of this world. I think outside of the United States of America, I don't think there's any other country that really stands with, with Israel and with Jerusalem. I'm not preaching politics tonight. That's not important, but it is important in the context of everything of what's happening. Every nation in this world is surrounding that one small nation of Israel, and particularly that city. It's the most contested city in this world. There's a reason for that. And the fulfillment of Scripture is upon us because it says... For I will gather all nations. I think there's one nation. It's only the United States and President Trump, whatever you think of Trump. But you know, God would raise up wicked men and wicked rulers for the sake of his purposes because God's above all the thrones and all the kingdoms of this world. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Friends, we are right there. 
It's right on our doorstep. And the city shall be taken, the houses will be rifled, the women will be ravished, half of the city shall go forth to captivity, the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And then it says these words, the prophet Zechariah, then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And I want you to hear this. This is so important because it means something to you. This is your world. This is where you live. And it says, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And this is what happens when he comes. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and towards the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of that mountain shall remove towards the north and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. Yea, ye shall flee, like as ye fled before him in the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. Zechariah's prophecy, this one hasn't yet been fulfilled, but it's about to be. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 24 says, Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and with great glory. Revelation 19 says, Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with the rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress with the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, He's the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Jesus looks into this room tonight, the same Jesus with the same desire, and friends, his one purpose in this room is to save you. To save you from the wrath of God which is to come. How he would desire to gather as a hen would gather her chicks. But will you come? Will you come? Matthew 7, Jesus said these words. You see, there's only two roads. There's only two types of people in this world. It's the saved and it's the lost. It's not the Protestant, it's not the Catholic, it's not the Muslim, it's not the Buddhist. It's simply, are you saved? Are you lost? Your label, your denomination won't get you into heaven. Are you washed in the blood? Are you born of the Spirit? Jesus said there's two roads. He says, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. What's the end of my life? You ever asked that question? What's the end of it all? What shall it be in the end thereof? Here's what Jesus says. The broad road leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You see, there's many today believe they're okay. I'm okay. I'm not a bad person. Don't do really bad things. That's going to be all right for me. They think, they believe, and they think that things are going to work out. You know, I was reading a, a story uh, some time ago. I want to close with this. But it brought home, it brought home the reality of 
You can think you're okay. And then suddenly you realize that's what it's going to be like for so many when Jesus comes. I'm okay. I'm getting on with life. Everything's going well. And everything's fine. You're not a bad person. You're getting on with life. And suddenly Jesus comes. We sung about it tonight. Friends, I want to tell you, he comes in the twinkling of an eye. The dead in Christ will rise first. We which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the earth. This is no fairy tale, friends. This is the reality of life. This is eternity tonight. This is your soul we're talking about. Many think they're okay. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be all right, isn't it, Tim? I'm going to tell you, friends, the only thing that's going to be secure is those that are in Christ. Nothing else. Nothing else. But I read the story a number of years ago. I just I brought it out again about a, a flight. And this flight took place on the 1st of June 2009. It was an Air France flight. They were flying from Rio to Janeiro, and they were flying across the Paris, France. It was an 11-hour journey. Everyone was settled in on the plane, ready to go, and they took off. Two hours into the flight, the captain, he takes his routine break. It's about 2 a.m. in the morning. And now they're preparing. There's a storm coming. You see, friends, there's a storm coming. There's a storm coming that this world has never seen. The rains are coming. The winds are blowing. But only that which is built upon the rock, which is Jesus, is going to stand. But that storm's coming. When the storm comes, not if it comes, but when it comes. And so there's a storm coming, and the co-pilot puts the word out, there's a storm coming, there's high external temperature, and now the warning sounds begin to go off in the cockpit. It came out in an English voice, you can read the transcript, stall, stall, this computerized voice, stall, 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 stall. They would hear this warning for 75 times. See, there's a warning for you tonight. There's a warning for you tonight, friend. It's a warning. But this stall, stall would come through, and the plane began to climb 7,000 feet per minute. It's losing speed. The co-pilot says, pay attention. The other one says, okay, I'm descending. Then they're trying to stabilize it. And so this goes on. They use a few words that we can't say tonight, but you can imagine what it's like. And then they begin to realize there's something drastically wrong. There's failure. The engines then get full power and they're trying to get the nose up. And briefly they begin to feel that they're okay for a time. And we're going to be okay. What they didn't realize, even though the plane was in that position, they were rapidly dropping to the ocean. But because they were pointing up, they thought they were going up, but really they were going down. Like so many people today spiritually, they think they're going up. So we shout, we have all the engines. What's happening? I don't understand what's happening. This is a recorder from the black box. I don't have control. I've lost control. There's a frantic uh, mess in that whole cock cockpit. And a minute after the crisis began, the captain who'd been sleeping, he burst into the cockpit. The warning is still going off. And he says, what's happening? They say, we've lost control. We've totally lost control of the plane. We don't understand. We've tried everything. The plane, its nose is 15 degrees up. A forward speed of 100 knots is descending now at 10,000 feet a minute. 10,000 feet a minute. It's at an angle of 41.5 degrees. 
The captain doesn't take physical control, but what do you think? He says, what do you think? What should we do? The captain says, I don't know. The warning lights are still going. The voice is still going in the background. Stall, 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 stall. One of the co-pilots, instead of having the lever forward, he has it actually pulled back the whole time. One's saying, climb, climb, climb. The other's saying, I have the stick back the whole time. The captain shouts, these are the last few words in the last few seconds. No, 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 don't climb. They're 2,000 feet from the ocean. The aircraft sensors have gone off. They detect the surface of the earth. There's no time left. There's no time left. There's no time left. One shouts, we're going to crash. This can't be happening. Friends, it's too late. It's a true story. It's tragedy. Everyone on board lost their lives. Tell you the bigger tragedies in this room tonight. People are hearing the warning, hearing the voice of God, knowing that they're not right with God, knowing that they're not right with Jesus, knowing that the King is coming, knowing that there's a heaven and there's a hell. You know the gospel, this country's well versed on the gospel. No, they need to be right with God. The, the warning lights are flashing. Everything's going in the cockpit. Friends, get right with God before it's too late. Suddenly, he's going to come. Friends, can I say this tonight? It could even be tonight. We've lost the urgency in the church today of the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It could be tonight. The warning signs are here. The scripture says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. He wants to save you. He wants to save you. Let's pray together tonight.